In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight from Psalm 52. Psalm 52. Each psalm has a title. And the title of this psalm is To the Chief Musician, A Contemplation of David, when Doeg the Adomite went and told the soul and said to him, David has gone to the house of Ahimelech. The terrible events that prompted this psalm are recorded in 1 Samuel 21 and 22. All the versions agree in this title except the Syriac version, the old Syrian language, which speak of it, of this psalm, as a psalm directed against vice in general, with a prediction of the destruction of evil. And according to the title, it is a psalm of David, and there is no reason to doubt that David was the author. So what is the story of Doeg the Adomite, who went and told the soul and said to him, David has gone to the house of Ahimelech? The occasion on which this psalm was composed is stated in the title. Doeg was one of Saul's chief shepherds. Saul was chasing after David, trying to kill him. David fled to Ahimelech the priest at the city of the priests called Nob. By Ahimelech, he had Ahimelech supported David and supplied him with bread and equipped him with the sword with which David himself had slain Goliath. An Adomite was present with Ahimelech at that time, Doeg the Adomite, whose character was well known as a wicked man. David felt that Doeg would not hesitate to betray anyone or do any act of wickedness if it would serve his own purposes to be close to the king. Maybe he will get some money from the king. So he would do anything. And that's exactly what happened. Doing the Adomite in order to secure the favor of King Saul and to show that there was at least one person who was friendly to King Saul and was willing to deliver up to punishment those who had encouraged David in his rebellion. So Doeg informed King Saul of the fact that David had been seen with Ahimelech the priest at Nob and that Ahimelech had given him food and the sword of Goliath the Philistine. 
Saul charges Ahimelech with conspiracy and ordered his guards to kill Ahimelech and his whole family. But the guards of King Saul refused, recognizing that it was sinful to raise their hands against a priest, the anointed servant of the Lord. So when the guards declined, Saul ordered Doeg the Adomite to kill Ahimelech and his family. And as we read in 1 Samuel 22, verse 18 and 19, so Doeg the Adomite turned and struck the priests and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Wore linen ephod priests. He killed 85 priests. Also, not the city of the priest. He struck with the edge of the sword both men and women. So not only the priests, but the whole city. Children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. So this conduct of Doeg, what he did in the city of Nob, is the subject of this psalm, Psalm 52. Doeg is called the Adomite. Maybe he was probably a native of Edomia. Some have supposed that he was a native-born Jew and he is called Edomite because he may have had his residence in Edomia. Like we, many of us born in Egypt, we live here in America, we are called the American. So the character denounced in this psalm, Psalm 52, is in some respect like what supposed Doeg to have been. He was a man of wealth, importance, as the chief of Saul's herdmen. But his tongue, who actually delivered this information to King Saul and made King Saul angry and ordered Ahimelech the priest to be killed, So his tongue was a deceitful tongue. Although the facts he reported were true, but his story was told with malicious intent intent and fatal result. Psalm 52 is largely focused on Doeg's wickedness, but also focused on David's confidence that God will bring judgment on the wicked. So David speaks in this psalm as a representative of all sufferers in all ages. Also, doing the Atomite symbolizes or as a type of Judas Iscariot who betrayed his Lord under the deception of a kiss. The same way Doeg the Adomite delivered the priests to death under the pretend of appearing as loyal to his master, King Saul, 
and caring about the peace of the people. Also, some believe that Psalms from 52 to 55 present to us a clear portrait of the Antichrist. It is a short psalm, only nine verses. From verse 1 to 4, the wicked man. To, to, uh, verse 5, the response from heaven. 6 and 7, reaction and response of the righteous. 8 and 9, the psalmist confidence in God. So let's start by verse 1. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. So David thought of doing the Edomite and the evil report he brought to King Saul. He thought not only of the report itself, but also in the boast and joy Dewey took in delivering the message. Definitely he was joyful in delivering this message because now he will receive favor with the king. Dewey, the Adomite, boasted that by his accusation He had ruined a priest of the Lord and his entire family. For when Saul heard from Doeg that David had been hospitably received by Ahimelech, the priest, he burst into such a rage that not only he ordered Doeg to put Ahimelech to death, but also 85 other priests that were along with him. So 85 priests were killed. After this, as I explained, Doug destroyed their city, slaying men, women, children, infants, even animals. As bad as his actions were, how much worse it was for Doeg to be proud of what he had done. People actually should be ashamed of their sins and evil. But Doeg was proud, boasting on what he did. As if a flood of evil flowed from this maliciousness. He justly deserved to be called mighty in iniquity. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? Mighty man, mighty in iniquity. Mighty in iniquity, yes, he killed 85 priests. And these 85 priests were not trained for battle. How they withstand or fight a true mighty man in iniquity. But this is the nature and characteristic of the wicked men. They are proud of their actions and they don't see any evil in their actions. 
To be boasters of evil thing also is the character of Antichrist and his followers. That's why I told you, Doeg is a representative of Judas and also the Antichrist. In uh, in Second Timothy chapter three and verse two, Saint Paul spoke about who not only boast of their value, their good works, and for their riches and honor and greatness, saying. I sit as a queen, as you read in Revelation 18.7. But also they boast of their wickedness in shedding the blood of the saints, thinking thereby they do God good service and earn heaven and eternal happiness, as do it boasted by his, of his slaughter of the priest and of his gaining the king's favor by it. So, St. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, described the character of the Antichrist as booster of evil thing. And in Revelation 18, 7, some people, not only the wicked people, not only boast of their value, like Babylon, who said, I am the queen, boast of their value, their good works, their riches, their honor, their greatness, saying, I am the queen, I sit as a queen, Babylon, the wicked woman. But also, they boast of their wickedness in shedding the blood of the saints, thinking that they are doing God favor and good service, and will earn heaven by killing the blood of the, uh, shedding the blood of the saints, and they will earn eternal happiness. As People, these people say we earn the favor of God as doing boasted of the slaughter of the priests gaining the favor of the king. David earnestly believed that doing way would fail. God will not let him succeed to the end. God's goodness would outlast his evil. That's why after he said, why do you boast in evil, almighty man? He told him, be careful. The goodness of God endures continually. So the goodness of God, which endures continually, outlasts the evil. Evil cannot uh, uh, endure continually. Yes, it is true that Doeg was a mighty man. But that was nothing compared to God and his never-ending goodness. God's love to his people is not changeable, but everlasting, and therefore not to be hindered or defeated by any wicked plans. No wicked plan will hinder or stop God's loving kindness or goodness toward us. And therefore, May God, for a time, have permitted Doeg to strengthen for a season, to be a mighty man in wickedness, and to kill this city completely. Yet God will defend, and in the due time will deliver his people. Since this psalm concerns the evil report of Doeg, 
David mentions the destruction that came from what Doeg said. That's why in verse 2 he said, Your tongue devises destruction. Because of this report, evil report, the whole city was destroyed. Your tongue devises destruction. Like a sharp razor working deceitfully. There was an evil heart and mind directing the tongue of Doeg to work like a sharp razor, working deceitfully, but it was all evident by what Doeg said. The destruction brought by Doeg evil report was real and terrible, the whole city. So, as we read in 1 Samuel 22, he murdered 85 priests and others, men and women and children and infants in the city of Nob. We know sense of the tongue, falsehood, slander, false witness, and other similar sins are frequently denounced in the book of Psalm and by the prophets. The wicked always say things that are cutting and hurtful to others. That's why he said your tongue like a sharp razor. It becomes second nature to the tongue to speak things that cause emotional pain. St. James in chapter 3 verse 9 to 10 he said with it with the tongue we bless our God and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So, your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Verses 3. You love evil more than good. Lying, you love lying rather than speaking righteousness. Silah. You love all devouring words. You deceitful tongue. So the next characteristic described as love of evil. The wicked man chooses evil instead of good. Like the nobles denounced in Micah 3, verse 2. You read in Micah 3, verse 2, he rebuked the nobles saying, You who hate good and love evil, who strip the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones. Strip the skin from my people and flesh from their bones. David in verse 3 addresses the wicked heart and mind after addressing the tongue and actions. Now he is addressing the heart and mind. Love evil more than good. Lying more than words of righteousness. He tells us the source of that accusation. Why Dewey made this evil report. David say, says 
that it did not proceed from out of character as accident. But no, from the evil and malice of man who always, always preferred and loved evil to good and lies to truth. So this was not an accident. Something very rare, exceptional happened in the life of Doeg. No, he's a wicked man. Doeg's falsehood was not only simply so, or just mere a lie. It was more, because it caused the death of Ahimelech and was thus iniquity. So it's not just he made a lie. No, this lie led to death of 85 priests and whole city. Silah, at the end of verse 3, in general it indicates a pause in the sense and as well as in a musical performance. Pause to reflect or to meditate. Sila also is considered an affirmation of the truth of anything. So when he told you loved evil more than good, to affirm this as a true fact, he said sila. Truth of anything good or bad. And you can interpret sila like verily, truly, as answering to amen, so be it, so be it, or uh, so it is, or shall be. In verse 4, you will love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. So, David assigned further reason for calling Doeg's conduct a lie and an iniquity, and says it was a truly fatal, malicious falsehood causing the ruin of so many innocent people. You love all devouring word. Your word devoured a whole city. You deceitful tongue. You deceitful tongue, maybe he's addressing doing himself as deceitful tongue. So, maybe the worst part of the description for David sorry, for um, Doeg, that Doeg himself is a deceitful tongue. The wicked person takes joy in evil and loves harmful words. Doeg's lies cause the destruction of an entire city. To intend another harm and enjoy its effect is of the utmost evil to hurt others, and to enjoy it, that is the utmost evil. So David declares that either Doeg himself is a deceitful tongue, or that he loves deceitful tongues, or you deceitful tongue. Other way, Doeg is a liar, and he loves the lies, as Satan, a liar of and father of all liars. But in verse 5, we get a response from heaven. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place. 
and uproot you from the land of living Sila. So David started to describe the everlasting ruin that will come upon those who love evil and those whose tongue is like a sharp razor unless they repent. Because the goodness of God endures continually, as he said in verse 1, Doeg and his kind, all the evildoers will be destroyed forever. You shall likewise, God shall likewise destroy you forever. Also this threat was a prophecy about what come, what will come upon Judas the Iscariot, the son of perdition, who went and hanged himself. Or about the Antichrist, as I told you, Doeg is a symbol of Judas and Antichrist, whose reign would not last for more than three and a half years, as we read in Revelation 14.10, if we take it literally. God will completely destroy him, not only in this world, but in the next, forever, so that he shall be ruined for eternity, left absolutely desolate in this world, and condemned forever in the world to come. And this will be the just retribution of the wicked, who in seeking to hurt others, harm themselves forever. So, Doeg actually killed 85 priests and the whole city, but he hurt himself forever. God will not always allow this kind of destructive lie to rule, even if they were successful for a time, for a season, but they will not endure forever. Then he said, God shall likewise destroy you forever. The word likewise, God shall likewise, is significant, is very important here. Because there is resemblance between the sin and its punishment. So the heartless oppressors, for example, who have driven the poor from their homes will be driven from the land. Likewise, as you did this, likewise this will happen to you. As a just retaliation for the malice and harm done to others. So as Doeg actually destroyed the city of Nob, likewise, in the same way, God shall destroy you forever. St. Augustine says, we should have roots in the land of the living. The root could be hidden, any root can hidden from the sight, whereas the fruit would be visible. Our root is our love, while our fruits are our works. If your works come out of love, the root, your roots are in the land of living. Because he said to Doeg here, God shall take you away 
and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. Uproot you from the land of the living. What is the root here? The root is love. And it is unseen. And what is the fruit? It is the works of love. That's what St. Augustine says. The destiny of the wicked man is effectively and persuasively described by various figures in verse 5. He said here three things. Shall take you away, block you out of your dwelling place, uproot you from the land of the living. So, the wicked man pictures himself securely deep-rooted in the castle of his wealth. I am very wealthy, so I am deep-rooted. But God will break him down. And that forever, so that there will be no more restorations to the realm. That is the first one. God will take you away. God will take you away. Second one, block you out of your dwelling place. He is comfortable in his home. But God will take him as a man, takes a coal from the fireplace with tongues, and blocking him out of his dwelling, driving him forth as a homeless wanderer. Take you away, the verb in Hebrews, Hebrew language is elsewhere used only in the sense of taking up and carrying fire or coals from the fireplace. So when he said, pluck you out, take you away, as taking coal from the fireplace out of its place. Also, the wicked man believes that he is spreading himself like a native green tree. But God will uproot him out of the land of living. So, and uproot you from the land of living, which is heaven. Silah, again, it is time to uh, think about the fate of the wicked man so will not walk in the footsteps of any wicked man. Verse 6, The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, Here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. So the first impression by the scene of the destruction of the wicked is fear. The righteous also shall see and fear. Why fear? Fear here is not alarm, but awe, a deeper reverence for God and his authority over the world. Every manifestation of the divine power and justice produces in the righteous man a feeling of awe. Many will profit 
and be instructed by the punishment of the wicked man. And the next impression, uh, they shall laugh at him. They shall laugh at him. That's the next impression. So, next impression, that of mockery and ridicule for the booster who trusted in his wealth. As we read in the book of Psalms, he who sits in heaven shall laugh, the Lord shall hold them in derision. Such rejoicing definitely is not merciless triumph at wicked man's ruin. Righteous cannot do this. Or it is unkind satisfaction at the hardship of wicked. Because this is sinful and it's condemning. But rejoicing here because the judgment of the wicked is an illustration and proof of the authority of God and his justice and it must be welcomed with joy by the righteous. David previously told us about doing sin of destructive and deceitful words and of loving evil and lying. Here he exposed an associated sin. Fail to trust God and trust of great riches instead. Here is the man who did not make God his strength. That's the problem of David. But trusted in the abundance of his riches. That's why he wanted to get favor with King Saul and strengthened himself in his wickedness. So, Some people often are drawn to evil and lying because they fail to trust God, that God can and will work through goodness and truth. They say, if I say the truth, I will lose this case in the court. I need to lie. So they don't trust God. And they are drawn to evil and lying because they fail to trust that God can and will work through goodness and truth. Doeg trusted in the abundance of his riches. David may point to something implied in 1 Samuel 21-22 account that Doeg did this for the sake of riches. Either immediate or eventual, maybe Saul give him some money immediate, or eventually he will give him a position in the kingdom. And for the sake of money, he murdered 85 priests plus a whole city. First Samuel 22 indicates that Doeg did this to gain the favor of Saul. And the favor of a king could be a path to significant riches. No doubt Saul richly rewarded him for what he did. Saul rewarded Doeg for what he did. The last two verses. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Doeg will be uprooted from the land of living 
But David say, I am like green olive tree in the house of God. Doeg trusted in money. But David, I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. So David concludes the psalm by showing that he has taken quite a different path. For he will not be plucked out nor rooted out as a withered tree like Doeg. But he will send down his roots deeper and deeper like a fruitful olive tree always green, always in bloom, always bearing fruit. And being such He has consequently trusted in the mercy of God forever and ever. Hoped that God would assist him forever and to eternity, not like Doeg who trusted in money. Observe the contrast he draws between himself and Doeg, comparing him to a dry tree uprooted from the land of the living but David to a fruitful olive tree. He predicts that Doeg will be rooted out of the land, while himself will be rooted in the house of God. Doeg put his trust in his own riches, David in God's mercy. But who is the speaker in verse 8? I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. And by the way, house of God, you cannot be uprooted in, you cannot be rooted in the land of living outside the church in the house of God. I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. This is what will make you abide in God. Communion, abide in God. Baptism, put on Christ. Chrismation, Holy Spirit dwells in you. So who is the speaker? Can we say it is David? Or it is the speech of the righteous person in verse 7 continued. In verse 7 when he said, Here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in wickedness. With a transition to the singular, because in verse 6, the righteous, plural, also shall see and fear. Then in verse 8, singular, but I am. So this transition from plural to singular, in order to express the personal faith of each individual, each individual, each righteous person, each son or daughter of God can say this. So even if the psalmist is the speaker, he speaks as the representative of the righteous. David pictures the righteous standing tall and standing strong with God, enduring any storms that may come. Not only are the righteous strong, but they are fruitful and flourishing. The righteous are growing 
All of this is taking place in the house of God. You cannot grow spiritually outside the church. The righteous are pictured as being near God in, the, in his house and as family members of God who are his family. Who is my mother, brother, and sister? Those who do the will of God is my mother, brother, and sister. By implication, David is stating that the wicked are none of these things. Evil doers will not flourish nor endure the storms of life. The wicked are not near God and not in the family of God, not in the church of God. Yes, the righteous may suffer at the hands of the wicked, but justice will come against the wicked sooner or later. And one characteristic of the righteous is always praising God. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name, for it is good. They are praising God, like God's mercy and his gratitude also shall be. While others boast in their riches, David will boast in his God. And when their glorying is silenced forever in the tomb, his song, the glory of the, of the wicked, will silence in the tomb. But the song of the righteous shall continue to proclaim the loving kind of God forever. Until now we read the Psalms of David who proclaimed the loving kindness of God. And I like how he said, I will praise you forever because you have done it. Actually, during the he wrote this psalm, God did not destroy David yet. But he is speaking here as if it, it is done. You have done it. David views his prayer as already answered and the promise of God as already fulfilled. Yes, doing evil had not yet gone away. But David could praise God in the confidence of faith. You have done it. And he is praising God in hope and will praise him in the presence of all the saints. That's why he said, and in the presence of your sins, I will wait on your name. I hope, I trust that you have done it. Yes, you will do it, for your name is good. So the evil of man had not made David lose confidence in God and in the truth God's, that God's name is good. God's character and entire being is good. It is good to wait upon the Lord and for him, which appears to be so to all the saints by the experience they have had of it. Those who waited upon the Lord never ashamed. Never. That's why it is good to wait upon the Lord and for him, which appears to be so to all saints by experience they have had of it. It may also mean that the name of the Lord is good unto them, unto the righteous, pleasant, delightful, comfortable, as mentioned in Exodus 34, 6, 
Revelation 15:4. Saint Augustine says, "Further, a man discerning the sweetness of the name of God, he can say, "Your name is good," and wishing to unfold and wishing to show the same, and not fighting person to whom he may unfold it. So I taste the sweetness of God, and I wish to share it, but maybe I will not find people with whom I share the sweetness of the name of God. But for to the, for to the saints, there is no need he, that he showed. So even if I, I don't find people interested to taste the sweetness of the name of the Lord, it is enough because they even of themselves taste and know. I know, I tasted the name of the Lord and I know how sweet it is. But the ungodly cannot discern what they will not taste. The ungodly did not taste the name of, of God. So how can they testify that the name of the Lord is good? Thus I say what? Because of the sweetness of the name of God, they cannot taste the sweetness of the name, name of God because they did not taste it. He has borne him forthwith away from the crowd of the ungodly. God delivered David from the crowd of the ungodly. And I will look, he says, for thy name, for it is pleasant in the sight of saints. Pleasant is the name of God, but not in the sight of ungodly. I know how sweet a thing it is, but it is to them who have tasted. So St. Augustine in this quote said, the godly tasted the name of God. That's why they know how sweet it is. But the ungodly, how they testify for the sweetness of the name of God, how they did not taste the sweetness of the name of the Lord. That's why when David said, and in the presence of your saint, I will wait on your name for it is good. It is good, it is a personal experience. That's why in the middle of the saints, he can say this. Not in the middle of the ungodly, because the ungodly don't understand this. Only in the middle of the saints, because they also tasted the name of the Lord. This concludes Psalm 52 from the book of Psalms. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.